Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everyone. We continue our study of Hebrews this morning. Uh, one verse, Hebrews chapter 9. That's not a misprint. It's one verse this morning. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Before I read this verse to you, let us join in prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, let the words of your servant's mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as it is written from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. Throughout Holy Scripture, God has given us awesome promises. God has given us promises and he gives those promises, he declares those promises through his covenants. What is a covenant? A covenant is a type of special relationship that God makes with God's people. God declares his promises through his covenants. Our Lord God is a covenant-making God who makes awesome promises to us through his Holy Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 8, the writer of Hebrews declares that Jesus Christ is a high priest of a better covenant. He says two important things about Jesus as high priest of a better covenant. And the first is, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. That's the proof of his glory. Jesus is minister of the sanctuary. That's the proof of his service. The writer of Hebrews further reminds us that Christ has obtained a ministry, a new covenant that is much more excellent than the old as the new covenant he mediates is better since it is built on better promises. And there are three better promises the Lord gives us in the new covenant. They are the following. This is from Hebrews chapter 8. The Lord promised that he would put his laws into our minds and write them on our hearts. The Lord promised that he would forgive our iniquities and that he would remember our sins no more. We're going to come back to that one. The Lord promised that he would be our God and that they shall be my people. These are the three better promises of a better covenant, the new covenant made by our covenant-making God. This past week, we learned that one of our covenant partners died. Actually, there's been several uh, deaths. This one um, was named Rusty Richards. Perhaps you knew Rusty. If you did, you knew that Rusty loved his Lord Jesus Christ, and he loved reading and studying the Bible. In fact, he loved reading and studying the Bible so much that he bought a new Bible every year every year because he wore the old one out the year before. 
Once I asked Rusty what he thought was the most important question to ask, as a student of the Bible, when wrestling with God's promises, and Rusty said, try this one. Ask these questions. How do I know that these promises are true? How do I know that these promises are for me? Now, these aren't questions of an unbeliever. These are honest questions from a follower of Jesus Christ who has a few doubts and thus wants to question and wrestle with the Lord. Abram asked the same question of the Lord in Genesis chapter 15, verse 7. After the Lord gave Abram a covenant and made wonderful promises to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of, from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess But Abram said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? In other words, how do I know this promise is for me? Abram asked the Lord. And how the Lord God responded to Abram and how God responds to us, which is in a very similar, similar way in the new covenant, the Lord God points to blood and death He points to the symbols of blood and death. What we will discover this morning in our verse from Hebrews chapter 9 is that God points us to our Lord Jesus Christ shedding of his blood for our sins on the cross as the proof and assurance we need to believe that that God's new covenant promise to forgive our sins is ours. The first point I gathered from this text is Christ's shedding of his blood redeems our sins. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, we read, Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Our Lord Jesus Christ is our Redeemer, who by the shedding of his blood redeems us from our sins. So we hear a lot of redeeming words there. Redeemer, redeeming, redeem. What does the words mean? What does redeem mean? Redeem means that a transaction occurs. Something is given for something else. So I'm going to take a guess this morning that some of you have either in your purses or in your coat pocket a grocery list for HEB this morning after worship. And maybe you have in your purse or in your coat pocket a few coupons along with that list. You understand the meaning of the word redeem. When you go to HEB to shop for groceries, you redeem those coupons for a lower price for the box of Cheerios that you're purchasing. There is a transaction that occurs. Something is given for something else. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 15 says, Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For God, death is the necessary payment for our sins. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome, 
The wages of sin is death. But thanks be to God, our Lord Jesus Christ came to redeem us from our sins. Jesus came to die and be a sacrifice, but not just any sacrifice. Jesus came to die as a substitutionary sacrifice. Jesus came to die. Jesus came to die. He came to give his life for ours. He offered himself as an atonement to God of infinite, boundless, inconceivable sufficiency. Mark puts it this way in the Gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, there's a word we don't hear very often, except maybe when you hear about kidnapping stories on uh, your favorite news, or maybe computer hacking stories where someone uh, takes a ransom from somebody or ransomware. But here, the word in Mark, the Greek word used for Mark, is lutron, which means, quote, to buy the freedom of a slave or a prisoner, end quote. The person bringing the ransom would make a huge sacrificial payment and pay the debt owed by the slave or the prisoner so that that person can go free. Our Lord Jesus came to give his life as a ransom, a payment for the debt of our sins so that our forgiveness could be secured. Jesus came to do something for us that we could never do for ourselves. Jesus was redeeming his life for yours and mine. He is our redeemer who frees us up from this obligation unto death and secures our forgiveness of our sins through his redemption. Now, when you look a little closer at this verse from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, we see a second point. We have forgiveness of sins. But it's never without blood. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 18 reads, Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar for making atonement for your lives. For as life, it is the blood that makes atonement. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin, was actually a very common, well-known Jewish principle that everyone had heard before. The writer of Hebrews goes back to the inauguration of the first covenant under Moses, the time when the Israelites accepted the law as the condition of the relationship with God. Covenants were messy. Covenants were bloody rites where they would make the promises and then would seal those promises with the symbols of blood and or death. In Exodus 24, God gave his covenant through Moses with his law, the Ten Commandments. He then said, this is the covenant that our God is making with you. And the people said, all that you have said we will do. So what did Moses do? Moses held a ceremony where animals were sacrificed, bulls and goats, and he took 
half of the blood of those animals and put it into basins, and, the ha- and half of the blood he threw against the altar. And then he read from the book of the covenant to the people, and he put the blood from those animals on the book of the covenant, and the people said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do and we will be obedient. And then Moses took the blood and he threw it on the people. This was a sealing of the covenant. The sealing of the covenant saying that the penalty for the breaking the covenant would be the curse of the covenant. It would be death. What the, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that even the new covenant is sealed in blood, but it is a better and greater blood than the blood of animals in Exodus 24. It is the blood, the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. While bulls and goats were slaughtered in the Old Testament, it was a foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus Christ offering himself as a lamb to be slaughtered for our sins. The blood of bulls and goats sealed the covenant in the old, sealed the covenant in the old covenant. In the new covenant, the shedding of blood by our Lord Jesus Christ secures the covenant promise, all, this, all the covenant promises, but especially that our sins are forgiven. Shortly, we will celebrate the Lord's Supper, and we remember hearing these words. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Our Lord Jesus shed his precious blood on the cross for our sins and promising on God's behalf and on our behalf that the new covenant and all its promises therein, including the forgiveness of our sins, would be truly ours. And this new covenant and its promises are always received by faith in our Lord Jesus. Faith in the atonement work Christ did for us on the cross that we could never do for ourselves. And the new covenant and its promises are received by faith in God who will give us all these things in his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The third point I gathered from this text in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, is that the forgiveness of our sins is found at the foot of the cross. Without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin, but with the shedding of blood, there is forgiveness of sin. Beneath the cross of Jesus, we remember that Jesus came to die for us as a substitutionary sacrifice. He came to give his life in place of ours so that we can believe that his promises are true and truly ours. Therefore, Jesus' substitutionary sacrifice is a better sacrifice. But beneath the cross, we have to also remember something else. Forgiveness is costly. We have thanks that our God is more loving than you or I and chose to come in this world to deal with sin. He took it seriously. God is loving, but God is also holy. And thank God that God takes sin seriously. God understands that sin 
and evil in this world can never be overlooked, removed, healed, by simply turning God's back and saying, forget it. It must be paid for. And dealing with sin always comes with a cost. The debt had to be paid. But God, who was real, showed his amazing love for us and came in Jesus Christ and paid the debt himself. The forgiveness of our sins comes with a cost. Last week, the choir led us in a hymn from our hymnal that they did today, again, called Amazing Love. And quite frankly, I don't know about you, but I thought it was simply beautiful. So I went to see my friend, Tom, our friend, Tom Dooling, and asked Tom if we could sing this hymn again. The choir sang it as an offertory hymn, and we joined in on the last verse. Tom graciously agreed to do it again today. Listen to these lyrics again. I'm not going to cause you pain by singing from the pulpit. What I'm saying that says what I've been saying even more eloquently, much more eloquently. Verse 1, my Lord, what love is this that so dearly that I, the guilty one, may go free? Amazing love. Oh, what sacrifice. The Son of God given for me. My debt he pays and my death he dies that I might live. Verse 2. And so they watched him die, despised, rejected. But oh, the blood he shed flowed for me. Amazing love. Oh, what sacrifice. The Son of God given for me. My debt he pays and my death he dies that I might live. As we gratefully and joyfully come to the Lord's table, let us remember that amazing love. And give our thanks and praise for the amazing love of our Lord Jesus Christ, who came and washed our sins away with his precious blood and made us heirs of all God's promises in the new covenant and reconciled us to himself and gave us the proof and assurance that God's covenant promised to forgive our sins is truly ours. So let us join our brothers and sisters in Christ who have gone before us and who are present with us now all around the world who sing boldly and loudly. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your faithfulness in going all the way to the cross and shedding your blood for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could be reconciled to you. What an incredible gift you have given us. You have graciously and humbly shown us what real love looks like. We praise you with joy, Lord Jesus, that you are worthy as the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Friends, we gather at the Lord's table to remember Jesus Christ, who has obediently fulfilled the new covenant of grace and freedom 
by the shedding of his blood on the cross by which we have the promise of the forgiveness of our sins. By his body and blood, which is real as this bread and this cup, Jesus has shown us all what sacrificial love truly looks like. God's sacrificial love is as real as these elements, signs and seals of the covenant of grace that we receive today. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. People will come from the east and west, the north and the south, to join together in the kingdom of God, at God's table. This is the Lord's table. Our Savior invites all who trust in him to share in this feast which he has prepared. According to Luke, when our risen Lord was at table with his disciples, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. 